0: Hey guys, welcome to the Timberway Podcast. I'm so excited that you got a chance to join us here today as we talk about and discover all the things that can make you become the best version of yourself. Now before we get started, I just want to remind you to go into the App Store, whether you have an iPhone or Android, and give this podcast a review and a rating. This helps us get this out to more people so they too can enjoy all the things that you get to hear and talk about. Enjoy this episode and have a great day.
1: Too like I've I've been telling um, Evans here.
2: Yeah, he's I've been, literally he's just been, been talking about you. Yeah, he's non-stop. been talking about you nonstop, <laughs> nonstop. I, like, I need to meet this woman who's just this fascinated that. Like, has to speak about well, the number one.
1: No, let's not get a ahead of ourselves. We were, we were talking about some struggle at some point, and I looked at him, I was like, You don't know, struggle. Man. Like, yeah, I know. He, like, he, he looked at me and was like, You don't know what struggle is. And you don't know. It's really no, seriously, it's completely changed my viewpoint. I'm not joking, it's completely changed my viewpoint wow. on like how I struggle because, um, you know, up until our conversation, I we kind of looked at things like, you know, oh, things are sucking or we're kind yeah. of going through whatever. And then after our conversation, like, so I left our conversation that day and I went to this one year old's birthday party. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I cannot believe I've looked at, like, yeah. failure and other things like this way. Like, my in that hour, hour and a half ride there, I was just blown away. Like, I could not believe. So just, you've changed my life.
2: Oh my and I gosh. need his life
1: to be changed the way you changed mine. Okay. That is, like, a
2: that is such a compliment. Oh, I really
3: appreciate
2: that. That's
1: what that. I thought, too. Until you hear her story, you're going to be blown away. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is the process. So let's just jump <laughs> right into it. Oh, my goodness. So the very first question I got to ask, um, and I ask this of everyone we do. First question is, who is Chanel today? Yeah, that's pretty hard. Chanel?
3: High. Chanel today is bulletproof. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say that I don't go through moments that are really rough and Mm -hmm. moments that are hard for me to get through. But at this point, there's not a lot that I feel like can stop me from getting what I want when I really want it. So that's how I would put it. Um, in terms of who who am I really? Just on the surface, like like what do I what do I do? I
1: mean, it could be anything really. I like I love that answer because that's okay. actually what I was gearing for. Just to, you know, I ask it, and you know, people obviously answer it in a ver- variety of ways. But you you hit it right on point, and I this how I know this episode is gonna be just straight <laughs> on the head because I get it. I get it now. So with that question being asked, the the next thing I want to ask is. Kind of talk about... now. we talked about it before, but kind of talk about your childhood. Because um, what I'm trying to paint is, obviously, I want to get everybody to, to understand how we got to the point of you being bulletproof. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. process we're about to go through. So we're starting with, you are bulletproof now. That's who the person, like, your story is insane, and the things you've experienced are out of this world. <laughs> out of this world. Right. So let's start right. at the beginning. Let's start at, with young Chanel at the age of, I don't know... 10, 11, 12, middle school Chanel. Who was Chanel in middle school? What were you doing? What was all that about?
3: Rough, rough years, Mm -hmm. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Like, I always tell people, I would never want to go back to middle school or high school.
1: Why is that?
3: Well, like, obviously, like, younger growing up, um, I was born to, like, a lower-to-middle-class family. Mm -hmm. Didn't have, you know, grew up in the country, you know, the Midwest, southern Indiana.
4: Okay.
3: So growing up, even in elementary school, um, I was bullied a lot and not, not in like a face-to-face way, but like a gossiping Mm -hmm. behind my back way.
2: Okay.
3: And so from like an early age, it it made me feel, it made me develop this immense self-awareness. I was always extremely aware of what I was doing and what I was saying and how it was perceived just so that I wouldn't be bullied by other people. Mm and you know sports was my outlet to that you know I hung out with mostly guys I didn't have many friends that were female because they were the ones that were causing all the drama um and so as I grew up through middle school it started to be that same way but you know how in middle school it's like everyone has their own cliques and I went to an elementary school that uh didn't have like a middle school, so I went straight from elementary school to junior high. So everyone there okay. already knew each other, mm-hmm. and I was integrating into it essentially. Okay. okay. Um, so, kind of, I was a very awkward person, but I had developed the ability to become an extreme chameleon. So I could just kind of mold into whatever situation I would um, zip in. Yeah. You know, so it really looking back, it shaped me into a person who was kind of unsure of her identity because I always just molded my identity to whoever I was around. Hmm. Uh, And so then you know, through middle school, you know, I'm still an athlete. And then into high school, um, I was still a competitive athlete. And even still at that, at that moment, um, that was my identity. Like I attached my self-worth to my ability to play basketball. Yeah. Um, And all of that came from kind of the home situation that had been developing throughout Mm -hmm. um, later years of junior high. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it was junior, when was it? It was when my junior year of high school, my dad, his uh, mom remarried. Mm -hmm. after, And my dad's, my grandfather had passed away when he was, um, only 50 years old. So he was, he died really young. But, anyways, when his mom remarried it, like looking back, I now see that it set him up for a lot of issues, including yeah. alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the dad that I had, who was there at every game, you know, helped me practice, supported me growing up, was like not around. He wasn't showing up to games or he was showing up drunk or, and so it was like, I, f- I kind of remember it feeling like a light switch it was like suddenly I turned into this girl who felt a lot of shame like I was afraid all the time because I didn't want to be embarrassed mm-hmm. it goes back to that not wanting to get uh, ridiculed or gossiped or uh, made fun of you know so I at that moment I started feeling even more unsure of myself um, and I mean that those were some really hard years junior as from a when was it yeah junior in high school Mm -hmm. through probably I'd say a all the way through undergrad it was it wasn't until I graduated or nearly graduated that my dad had a massive heart attack and that kind of forced him to to quit all of that Mm -hmm. he almost died Mm. Um, and so now like the dad I have had at that moment is not the dad I have now. It's a great relationship. Mm-hmm. But those periods in my life were very pivotal for me in terms of adversity. And um, it was when I started, I started identifying my self-worth with the actions of others during that time. Um, and that's kind of what set me up for a lot of the decisions I made later on. Mm-hmm. Because I started internalizing his behavior and equating it to how he viewed me or what I was worth. And, um, you know, it was just it was just destructive at that moment in my life.
1: Wow. So let's kind of move into now, because you started talking about, you know, a lot of that stuff was happening, especially in high school. Mm -hmm. What was high school? Um, I know, especially, you know, for a lot of people that will end up listening to this episode. High school happens to be that time that really kind of almost defines who a person is up until I'll just go with a solid 20. Right. Mm-hmm. So from that 14 to 20, year, 20 year old uh, gap, you really find out who you are. Then obviously, you know, things change the older you get. But in that mm-hmm. gap with all that, all those things going on, who, who was Chanel then?
3: She's a oh, timid, quiet. Um, she had a great work ethic. Uh, she avoided uh, close friendships. A lot of her friendships were just acquaintances, very surfacey. y yeah. um, You know, I met my first husband in high school, so we started dating when I was 15. And uh, I immensely grew attached to his family. And so a lot of my identity started getting wrapped up in a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, you know, again, I was a competitive athlete, so that kept me busy and right. like kept my mind away from a lot of stuff. Right. Um, but again, I attached my self-worth to my ability to do said thing, you know, I never really internalized it for what it was and for the things that mattered. And so that setting up that pattern of equating my self-worth to what I was good at, that's what carried me through for the next (laughs) few years.
1: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, That definitely reminds me of something I read uh, the other day. So, Actually, you know it. So in that Brene Brown book, Daring Greatly, she definitely Mm -hmm. talks about attaching your self-worth to stuff you're good at. That's great and all, but then if you start not achieving greatly or you don't you're not able to find your purpose outside of that and something like i don't know actually i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> i want i definitely want to talk about because you know you mentioned you were a hooper you were a hooper yes. uh in high school and you know that's that was your outlet that was your thing right mm-hmm. so let's let's jump forward a little bit to college so so you finish high school and you decide to go to school um mm-hmm. and if i'm correct you didn't play ball in college, right?
3: I did not. I, I had a few
1: scholarships to play basketball mm-hmm. and passed them up
3: mm-hmm. to focus on my career. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, focus on the fact that I wanted to be a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, something I had known since I was like 15 or 16 right. years old. Um, so I think at that moment, or at least in that period of my life, that was a hard to swallow mm-hmm. and it was very like transformative for me in the first few years of undergrad because it was like something I did every day in my life for a decade I wasn't doing anymore mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was really hard to acclimate identities again I, mm-hmm. I go back to you know feeling like I'm back at square one not knowing who I am the only thing that felt familiar was my relationship right. you know mm-hmm. with my relationship with my first husband or boyfriend at the time yeah but um yeah I it was something that I regretted I I held a lot of regret in that in that choice but it wasn't I didn't feel like I could do it well and do everything else well and Mm -hmm. I was very much attached to the image of perfection something I didn't want I didn't want to try to do both because I felt like I couldn't and so I didn't even try it
1: that's amazing.
3: And I think a lot of that came from the fact that as an athlete, I, a lot of what I did as an athlete, I felt like I did, I did it on a subconscious level for the approval of my, my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I loved yeah. it. But I got a lot of love and accolades from my family because mm-hmm. of
1: it. Mm-hmm. And so I you stopped. definitely, because mm-hmm. of that, you were just like, you probably even excelled more, right? Because mm-hmm. the better you are, and the more love and mm-hmm. affection right. you're getting and you're mm-hmm. more praised. Exactly. So, so you you decide not to not to do it in college you want to focus on your career you really want to get after it mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of student were you in your undergrad <laughs> years oh my um
3: i'd say half-assed yeah. um it yeah. was like i really wanted it but i had a lot of trouble focusing
1: mm-hmm. why was um, that Uh, I had a lot of guilt for leaving my mom and my brother at home Mm. with my father, who was,
3: you know, a struggling alcoholic. Um, I I was so afraid of failing, because right and left, everyone will tell you how competitive uh, PT school is. Um, You know, they'll tell you how difficult... Getting in is, you know, and what mm-hmm. the odds are of being rejected, and so those things were in the back of my mind a lot.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, aside from having that high school science teacher tell me that I wouldn't be able to do it, so it was just one of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it it just it made me a little uneasy, um, and obviously having a relationship that at that at that time was long distance. He was living in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. So a, a lot of things I think played into it, but. Overall, I just wasn't, I just didn't feel focused. And so my grades, I mean, I didn't make horrible grades. Mm -hmm. It was like, I think I applied to graduate school with like a three, four, five or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously not good enough to cut it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I guess we'll talk about later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
1: Well, you know what? Let's, Let's jump right there. Let's jump right there. So it's junior year of your undergrad and you say to yourself, let me start putting in applications to grad school Mm -hmm. what happens
3: so the school i chose in indianapolis i actually went there because they had a great pt program Mm -hmm. and they had the early admission option Mm -hmm. and so i applied my junior year and got waitlisted which was a blow i thought wow i i just i felt like i changed my whole life Mm -hmm. according to this plan and it wasn't going as the way i wanted it already Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was waitlisted so i'm like okay not a huge deal So I continued on to my fourth year of undergrad um, as a human biology major Mm -hmm. and applied again to that school and was waitlisted. And Hmm. I had already, again, I was on a perfection route. So I already had 20 other schools. I was ready to apply to 20 other schools, Mm -hmm. you know, 15 other schools or whatever. And so I applied to all of those and
0: uh, got rejected from all of them.
3: Mm -hmm. It was about... That's 15, I think. <laughs> so rejected from all of them.
1: That's insane. And that is. I just, what I what was your mentality excited. there? Yeah, what was your mentality there?
3: Like, what the, what the hell am I doing? You know, like, what is happening now? Right. Um, you know, I applied to occupational therapy school. Yeah. As a backup. I was accepted into that program. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like something I should be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I ended up declining admission. Mm -hmm. And the other next best thing was uh, physical therapy assistant school. And so I had applied to that at the same time, Mm -hmm. got accepted there. So I thought, you know, I'll just backtrack. So I have my bachelor's now. I'll backtrack and get the associates. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that will just demonstrate to the people who make these decisions that I am committed Mm-hmm. And, control, you know? right. and so that was really the only thought going through my mind. I didn't really think about anything else other than I have to get this done. I have to get this done.
1: Why Why was that your mindset? I mean, because looking at the, I'm going to say the average person.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't even think the average person applies to like that many schools. That's 15 schools mm-hmm. the second year. And how many the first year?
3: Uh, well, it? I just applied to the one for the okay. early.
1: Yeah. So... Here we go. Sixteen schools you applied to, mm-hmm. and all sixteen said no.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's tough. I felt
3: like a loser. Oh my goodness. goodness,
1: that's tough. And this yeah. is into this is a career that you wanted. You knew since you were fifteen, sixteen, you yeah. knew you wanted to be a PT. You knew physical therapy was your calling. Yep. But the places I mean. that are the pathway to that calling are mm-hmm. are saying you don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm.
3: Which was confusing me because, in you know, obviously in, in high school, I found that career through a vocational program right. and um, performed really well in mm-hmm. those state competitions right. and placed and all of that. And right. so, you know, younger at a younger age, people were telling me that I had what it took.
1: Yeah.
3: They were also telling me I didn't have what it took. Huh. And then as I moved through undergrad, the the you know unanimous decision was you don't <laughs> no, what it you took. don't
1: have what it takes. No. <laughs>
3: Oh, just kidding, never mind. But
1: you're yeah. still determined. You're like, this is what I'm going to do. And yes. you're telling yourself, no, I have what it takes.
2: My, right. Yep. My, my question is, um, when you went through that, what you know, what gave you the courage? What gave you the drive to go back and try again? Because like, most people, they would have said, you know what, that's it. Everyone said, I'm not good enough. What gave you that drive to continue and keep at it? i I couldn't handle the
3: the possibility that every that so many people were right about me hmm. like I wanted to be right about me hmm.
1: you get to define you mm-hmm. I think who's it uh yesterday was said best failure doesn't define you you get to define your failure mm-hmm. if you fail at least you got it was on your terms mm-hmm. I love that I love that
3: yeah. Yeah. and so. you know that was something I think growing up my mom and dad both did like exceptional with was just helping me understand that it didn't matter what I wanted
1: mm-hmm.
3: if I wanted it bad enough, I'd make it happen
1: Mhm will yourself into yeah. success
3: <laughs> yeah um, and so in my mentality it, it's not I never saw no as no, mm-hmm. I saw it as not right now
1: mm. okay. that's important yeah. that's important to keep yeah. in in mind um, yeah. that's important to keep in mind because of this next part. That's 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 definitely important to keep because <laughs> this next part. So, so you're you're telling yourself, let me go back and let me backtrack to my. So you already got a bachelor's degree. Let me backtrack mm-hmm. to my associates, mm-hmm. and you start working right now. Mm-hmm. How long were you working before before you did, the impossible again?
3: Well, let me I, you know let me share this. Yes, I I when I graduated with a bachelor's degree, it was in human biology. Okay, which is basically useless. Unless you go on to a professional career.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm laughing, but it's true. true. I know people people with that degree. Yes, Yes.
3: It's just like, it's just there. And so I ended up getting a job with a government agency making $13 an hour. For two years during PTA school, I made $13 an hour.
1: While you're in PTA school. Yep.
3: And you decided to go PT to PT reject, making thirteen dollars an hour. At n- mind you, yeah. with a bachelor's degree from a private school that cost her a hundred and fifty grand.
1: And you're out here making thirteen bucks an hour.
3: <laughs> yes. Yep. Wow. Yep.
1: But the drive is there, <laughs>
3: the, right? The drive was there. But the drive I is there. Saw, yes, I always saw it as just this is, I have to pay my dues, I have to pay my dues, like, that's just how I viewed life, Yeah. and I think that came from watching my parents pay their dues, Mm -hmm. but with no rainbow, Mm. you know, they paid their dues for several years with no rainbow, and so for me, I was taught to work hard for my rainbow.
1: Hmm. I love that, work hard for your rainbow, right there. That'd be a fantastic T-shirt idea. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you're in PTA school. You finish mm-hmm. PTA school, and you start working, right? Yes. At what point did you decide to give it a go again? I mean, you got 16 nos. At what point now in PTA school whole, do you think to yourself?
3: I'm telling you, the only way I mentally survived PTA school. Because I self-deprecated myself the whole time. Yeah. The only way I got through it was by knowing that as soon as it was over, yeah. I was reapplying. Okay. It was never there was never any doubt in my mind that that was going to be where I stopped.
1: Mm. So you have um, that even, goal constantly there. Constantly, and you know, even within that program that that program was an hour and a half
2: away from where I lived at that point. So it was an hour and a half commute twice a week on top of working full-time. Wow.
3: Holy crap. And it was like, I don't know. It it was, again, it was something that I just, it was just blinders on doing this. Yeah. It's gotta be.
1: That's what you had to do. Yeah. So you apply. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it never, like it never felt superhuman at the time. It just felt like what I had to do. Right. Yeah. It's
1: part of your process. So you apply, you apply. And uh, where, where do you get in? Now, how many schools did you apply to?
3: One.
1: Okay. Okay. Um,
3: I think something to note, though, within this little area of PTA school was at that point, that's when I ended up gaining like 100 pounds. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of that because of, like I said, I self-deprecated myself all the time. I felt like a complete failure. I felt completely unworthy. Um, I had already married my high school sweetheart. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we were together
4: mm-hmm.
3: and, you know, it was just one of those things. I was kind of in a rut and I didn't feel like he really got me. He mm-hmm. didn't understand why it was so like damn important to me. Yeah. And so I felt like I was on an Island. Um, and so all of that kind of combined and he, you know, he knew that I was going to apply. He mm-hmm. knew that that was going to be what happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when I actually did apply, you know, we had this really weird conversation one night, and he was like, Well, I want to have kids right now. And like, we just looked at each other, and I was like, Well, I guess like we're getting a divorce. Like, that was never a part of what
1: I wanted to do as a person. Having mm-hmm. I mean, kids was going to come after I earned my doctorate. Right. And it was
3: like this 11 year relationship,
1: poof. Now just gone. gone. Just gone. Gone, gone. Um,
3: and literally, it was we separated for a few weeks. Um, I was then offered acceptance at the University of Saint Augustine, and then we filed for divorce. And it wasn't shortly after that that you know I found out that he he and his girlfriend had gotten pregnant. Um, mm. And it was it was about two months after I started PT school that they got remarried. And mercy. It was,
1: <laughs> Mercy,
3: <laughs> right? And you know, now, like obviously now I look at that and it's like, a, you know, he has that choice. It's his life. Right. That's what makes him happy? I want him to do that for himself. But at that time, oh no, no. Like every everything that I thought I knew about myself and my life was just gone.
1: Mm-hmm. That's Murphy's and, Law, right there.
3: Yeah. And I felt like I had been. I was just so easily replaced. That's how
1: Ooh. I would explain it. Oh was, my goodness. you know what let's 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 focus in on that i think that's so important right let's focus in on that
3: yeah you know i felt i felt very unspecial very uh just very replaceable like that was oh that was such a really hard time in my life
1: and here you are like i mean everything's going wrong you feel alone you're gaining a hundred pounds you're You've already gone through the process of 16 no's and another process of PTA school. And that's
3: the thing. Right, right. Like, to mix those feelings with actually getting accepted into PT school, like, they happened at the same time. Mm.
1: Insane.
3: So it's like, you know, you finally get a piece of the rainbow. Yeah. And it's being pissed
1: on. What did you say yesterday? (laughs) Right when everything gets good, something always goes goes (laughs) bad. (laughs) Everything
2: is going <laughs> perfect. You're happy. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And then out of nowhere. Boom. And then one thing, it just takes that one thing. And it's yep. usually the one thing that's the center of your core yep. value or of your core being. Oh, yeah. And it Definitely. shatters it all. You know, instead of having a piece of the rainbow, it's all gone. Just like oh, that.
3: Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the thing. Like, we we had literally just moved into a new home. We were, go- we were going to buy it on contract. Mm. And third 30- Days later we were filing divorce. It, you know, so we were making choices that did not reflect what was going to happen in four right. weeks. Right. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a volatile relationship. It wasn't um, something, oh, everyone saw coming. In fact, when it happened, I think everyone nearly like fell over. They couldn't believe the insanity.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: they just could and I part of me couldn't either, but I couldn't that was the first time in my life that I really stood up for myself.
4: Hmm.
3: I I really, I don't know what it was, but something inside of me told me that I deserved a life, if nothing else, with someone who respected what I wanted.
1: Put you first. We could almost end it right there. We won't, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> so I often don't like internalize everything. That I'm just soaking it all in right now. okay so all this is happening but somehow chanel the drive is still there still there
3: and let me tell you oh my like the first few semesters i almost filled out the first trimester um yeah, it's pretty before, close. So let, let's, Honestly, let's. I yeah. calculated my grade wrong. I mm. thought I, when I calculated it, it was Ooh, a weighted average. Okay. and
1: So I calculated it
3: wrong. Okay. Um, I thought I had failed. Oh. And I have never cried for, I cried <laughs> for like five hours straight. <laughs> Over. Because I thought, oh, are you me. kidding me? Like, I finally get here and now this.
1: You know what? Just so I don't want people to miss the gravity of that feeling. Let's just discuss because they don't know. I know. Uh, you're living in Indiana. You got into school in Florida.
2: Oh, so yeah. So now you're saying, who yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> that's that's far. That is far. Yeah. Right? Yes. You're working full time. You're going to school yes. full time.
3: But yes. where
1: are you working and where are you going to school? Exactly. Let's talk exactly. about this.
3: So, um,. So after the divorce, you know that summer I moved to Greenwood, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. Okay. Um, about an hour away from Bloomington, mm-hmm. or forty-five minutes or so. Yeah. Um, I moved there, and so just to be closer to the airport, because mm-hmm. I knew I would have a commute from Indianapolis to Florida How twice a month. Twice a month for four years.
1: Every other week, you're getting in the plane.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: To go Some to days, Florida. Yep.
3: Absolutely, and some days I would fly, sometimes I would fly into Orlando, mm-hmm. and that was about a two-hour
4: yeah. then
3: commute from Orlando to campus, so I had to get a rental car.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, usually, I did that because it was cheaper. Mm. Um, I, I sometimes flew into Jacksonville, mm-hmm. but that was way more expensive, and still like a 45-minute commute,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, but nonetheless, uh-huh. a few times I had to fly into Tampa, yeah. which was the and yeah. then one time, I had to actually drive to Chicago to fly to school.
0: Yo. <laughs> is,
1: is it okay if I talk about how much it cost you to do that? Is that is that cool? Sure.
3: Sure.
1: So, I, you know, we were talking before, and I did the numbers, right? I did the numbers. <laughs> and it cost roughly... Mid to upper $70,000 just yep. to travel. Of your personal money. Yes, yeah.
3: yeah, so that was not.
1: This isn't. Low. No, this is just. The- You're working full time to go to. Yes. Of your personal money. On the yep. upper side of $70,000. Just to travel. Just to travel not to school. school.
3: Not even the tuition.
1: That is. Cr- <clears throat> That's insane. But yet, see now. Nah, let's come back to that. But yet, still, still <laughs> driven. The drive is still there. Still there. What's and keeping so you going at this like point?
3: Right. I looking back, I really don't know how I did it. Mm-hmm. I really, I really don't know. Um, but I just couldn't let people be right about me. Mm-hmm. I still. Mm-hmm. I couldn't let. I couldn't let myself let myself down.
1: Hmm. Speechless, speechless. You're going through, and so all of that is coupled into that feeling where you're waiting. You're after that first trimester. You're sitting there now. How long was the trimester? Like Ten weeks, something like that. What's yeah, like, like twelve. Right? I think it's so, like twelve. Yeah. All right. So let's go with it. Twelve weeks after you started this two ice a month journey, and like as a person that I've traveled to Florida, you know he's from Florida. That's, that's not no. That's not something slight. I'm, no. I'm lucky that I live in a city where my airport is, what, 15 minutes maximum from our home. Right. Right? You're talking about you had to drive to Chicago. Mm. You had to fly to... Tem- Tampa and St. Augustine yep. are not anywhere nearby each other. Ola- it's Orlando already, what, alone. like an hour and 45 <laughs> to Orlando from Tampa? Then you're adding another... <laughs> Just right. to go to school. I mean, oh, 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 let's not get a carried away. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's, no, 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 no. Let's actually hit what you were doing on top of that. So you're working from when to when and then flying out to doing what? Let's talk about that.
3: Yeah, so I had a schedule. I worked f- one week. I worked four tens. So I worked Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then I would be off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday for school. And then I would work Tuesday through whenever
1: following to the next.
3: To, to the next to the next week to make up the hours.
1: Just uh oh my God. Get off the shift and get on the plane.
3: Yep. Like all day physical therapy, by night physical therapy, you know, studying.
4: hmm
3: yeah, That's just all it was. Um four years. And unfortunately, you know, after my marriage ended, mm-hmm. I was not in a good place. Mm-hmm. I, I was in a. I definitely wasn't in a place where I could should have been making any decisions about another relationship. Mm-hmm. But you know, I had gotten involved with someone who, over the next several years, would kind of take me for a ride, mentally and emotionally. And um, I think the best way I can describe that whole relationship is, you know, on the day that I'm actually graduating, yeah, the day I'm actually earning my doctorate degree, he manages to pick a fight that morning and make it all about him. And so you can imagine, like. Everything that I've been through, the whole journey, at, you know, in itself. Yeah. And then to be in a relationship with someone who had the audacity to bring me out of my cloud, um, and that should have that should have been like the defining moment of when I should have ended that relationship. Mm-hmm. But I was I was dead set on not failing, and I wanted to be a fixer. Mm. I was addicted to fixing things Mm-mm, and to fixing people mm, 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 mm. and preventing pain. I didn't want, I didn't want any of it. That's oh, so why I ignored a lot of red flags.
1: I relate a hundred percent. I relate. <laughs> yeah. I relate a hundred percent. Oh my goodness.
3: And I couldn't let, I, I didn't actually, what one thing is I didn't want to, to muddle my accomplishment with mm-hmm. another failure.
1: Oh Especially out everything you've problems, experienced, yeah.
3: Yeah, it was something that I felt so high on. I felt so proud of myself. Right. And at that moment, I'd I become a lot more active on social media mm-hmm. and storytelling. And what, what were people going to say or think when they see this pseudo-professional, intelligent woman wow. um, have another failed relationship? That's how, that's how I processed it. And I, that's how I even continued to process it over the next year after we got married.
4: Wow. What? I just
3: wanted so badly to be this, to have this life that I wanted. To so so much so that I kind of went to the extent to to internally fabricate it. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't something that I was aware of myself doing. I think it was just the nature of the narcissism within the relationship because you hear a lot about narcissistic emotionally abusive relationships and people are like well, what do you, what do you mean you let that happen that's so dumb or <laughs> how, like how can you let that go on right and i'm just here to tell you that it can it happens to the best of us and it especially happens to those of us who are empathetic and soft mm. and caring
1: mm-hmm. hmm. my goodness <clears throat> So you've graduated, you've got your degree, you're married, and let's just take it all the way through, and uh, <laughs> and and uh, I just want to fast forward a little bit. Um, uh-huh. And so here you are, you decide to start a practice, right? No, that's that's down the road. Um, here you are, and you decide that you want to just change your life so we're going to kind of talk about gt a little bit and how that went down um Mm and if i'm skipping Mm -hmm. any parts you know kind of fill them in for me um i'm just like even currently as we're talking i'm just (laughs) blown well i'll say yes i'll say this shortly after we got married
3: um i I will say like it felt like bliss for about three months Mm -hmm. and then he started doing he flipped the script on me Mm -hmm. he completely like he, he divulged things that he had lied about our entire relationship that were founding uh values and beliefs systems that, that held core to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he admitted that he lied about everything. And then he dangled it. He dangled that as like a power struggle. And so it made me more desperate for his approval. Mm-hmm. And um like he would threaten divorce and this and that and he 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 used it in a way that made me extremely codependent emotionally wow and um that happened that that kept going on probably for almost eight or nine months i kind of hated myself i think that was the first time that i ever really truly hated myself and contemplated contemplated doing things that definitely i'm not proud of Mm -hmm. um it was a really low 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 point in my life yeah at that moment the only thing that was giving me any shred of self-worth was the fact that I helped people with health and wellness um hmm. and I was very good at that and it allowed me to completely lose myself in it it was a good distraction for me um but eventually it just got so bad it just got so bad and then you know about a year prior to that I'd met Greg Todd mm-hmm. and um he and I had a very casual relationship. We didn't talk a lot, um, but the moments that we connected, they were very powerful. And it was about it was the summer of twenty sixteen um, that he had invited me to take a course that he was launching. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, um, it was a very volatile uh, point in our my marriage. And I said, you know, it's not a good time. Um, it's just not. And I said no, and then about three weeks later, something just you know I just felt like I had to do it. I just felt compelled. Mm-hmm. I made up my mind I'm getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. I don't care how humiliating mm-hmm. to get divorced for the second time by age thirty one Wow, and I do not care anymore. this mm-hmm. is just too painful. and so made that decision, you know, join Greg. A few weeks later, I uh, said, you know what? I just got to meet this guy. Like, yeah. He's really changed my life, you know? And so I fly down to Florida again, which obviously I'm not.
0: You're professional
1: at this point. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Flying to Florida is nothing right. to you.
3: Exactly. We were on this live call, and he, I was like, no, I'm just going to come down there. And I think he thought I was joking. And so I was like, no, no, I just booked the flight. It's happening. And he's like, oh, okay, you know? Yeah. And so I was one of the first people who actually flew down to meet. To meet him and uh we hung out and you know that was a great like meeting him and having that conversation was really pivotal but the night before i met with him i was at this uh, hotel mm-hmm. and i was hungry it was late it was like seven or eight o'clock and like i was just starving and so i randomly searched for a place to eat on the beach it ended up being like 4 or 5 miles away. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how it sent me to this place. Yeah. I just want to preface this because it yeah. was not some place that people go. Right. Mm-hmm. I go, I sit down at this table outside and walks my waiter, my server to me and I I can just remember this feeling like washing over me like wow, everything is just about to change. Like I I can't explain it any other way. Yeah. Um, but he and I just had this instant chemistry and at the end of the night, he ended up giving me his phone number. And prior to that, I had never like, again, I was very shy introverted. I don't put myself out there, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, like here I am, this girl in this t-shirt that says transcend the bullshit. That's literally Mm -hmm. the t-shirt that I was wearing. (laughs) this guy who's, who's serving me at this restaurant, like I order two shots of tequila and all the Patron, like an obscene amount of, patru- of, of, uh, of grouper. That's yeah. what I wanted. An obscene amount of grouper and two shots of Patron. And it was like, for one of the first times in my life, I was my true, true, true authentic self. And it brought me like one of the greatest treasures of my whole life. Like that's how I view that. Um, because for the first time I wasn't trying to be something I wasn't, I wasn't worried about my identity. I wasn't worried about how it seemed. Um, and so he and I hit it off. We hung out off and on that weekend and in my mind, I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. You just got divorced for the second time. Yeah. You, You just met someone that you like, I truly in my heart felt like it was the thing I'd been missing my whole life. My whole life, yeah, and mm. I, I, like in my mind, I'm like, people aren't going to like accept this. Like, this is going to look so I'm going to look so irresponsible. I'm going to look insane. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I mean, you
1: just flew to Florida on a whim, <laughs> like,
3: right? Exactly. And so that that afternoon on that Sunday, I text my mom and I was like, can I tell? Can I share something with you as a friend and not my mother? And she's like, yes. And I said, I met someone. And I still have the screenshot of this text yeah. to this day. Um, and so I told her a little bit about it, and I know she thought, like, I was just crazy. Yeah. Just insane. And so anyways, I fly back home, and then a few nights later, he calls me. And this, just to preface it, this guy, um, he was not looking for a committed relationship. He had actually just relocated to Florida. He was all about having fun, partying, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a few a weeks... Few, uh, days later he called me and he and I talked every day for a month <laughs> for four hours a night mm-hmm. and so I flew back down for his birthday and then a week and a half later he relocated to Indiana so we knew we knew each other for five weeks and then started a the life together and honestly like you know we got married this past New Year's Eve
1: mm-hmm. uh
3: officiated our wedding Ooh-hoo. Great, Todd. Yeah. Yep. You officiated our wedding, and uh, I I can't envision a more healthy, stable, beautiful relationship in my whole life.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you a question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing a lot because you pretty much explained exactly how I met my current girlfriend. I moved That's up from awesome. I moved I moved up from Florida, and I mean, uh-huh. I, my life was all types of upside down. And mm-hmm. then this, I knew her from back home or whatever. And I moved up here and, and I didn't know anyone. And this girl was just like, hey, let's talk. Let's hang out. And I mm-hmm. was just like, out of nowhere, she was like, oh, let's date. Let's hang out. And then we started, and we started <laughs> dating. And I said yes without even thinking. I said yes. And now I'm like, she's Meanwhile, the whole time
1: I'm just looking like.
2: Paul's like, oh, yo, you, go, you like this girl. You're going to be with her. I'm like, no, you lying, blah, blah, blah. And then I meet yes. this girl. And it was just instant. Everything yep. felt right. Everything was perfect, and I was just so. The whole time you're saying this, I'm just like, "Oh my god, this is my story." But no, continue. <laughs> Ooh, continue. Which makes me, which makes I me. I relate to that so. Perfect, I want to say
1: this right here. Um, I was, li- I, I, I don't know where it came from. I put it in my Instagram story today. Um, and I just wanted to kind of get a lot of people's viewpoint on it. It's just been a thing. I do polls now on Instagram for fun and just for my own personal development. Mm-hmm. And today's was, um, do we relate to people most at their worst struggles?
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, we're watching it right here, right? You had just gone through a crap ton of things. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying this, he's he's right next to me. Now, I don't know if you're seeing it, but he's right next to me making all kinds of faces. Mm-hmm. I'm looking down, looking <laughs> up, grabbing my knee, everything, this, this, and that. But, but this is the point I want to make I think that kind of transcends honestly into everything else you've shared mm-hmm. um, because now someone's going to listen to it I mean I, I am a product of it listening us talking the very first time and I just had to go through this like week I'm talking a week of introspection
4: <laughs> where
1: I'm thinking to myself Paul what what do you actually define as struggle now you know, and then what is just hard? What do yeah. you define as struggling, and what is just hard?
3: And I think more importantly, what is impossible?
1: And what is impossible? Now, my answer to that, after hearing your story, is the answer is nothing. Oh, <laughs> confidently, oh. I've been doing some crazy. I mean, just to even think about. um We'll talk about this later, but. <laughs> nothing is impossible just struggle in itself has given it's it's found a new meaning in my personal life Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: and just you know this is why i was so like adamant when i because you know down at sspt um the whole time now don't take this the wrong way i was stalking you uh no here's why because before coming down before Uh coming down um you know joseph my buddy from way back He mentioned you once and I really didn't, you know, take it into like, okay, you know, he's like, Chanel, she's the greatest, my role model. I'm like, that's cool, dude. Uh, That's cool, bro. And then um, I get down there and GT was like, I just want you to watch, watch, ask people, talk to people. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not a shy person, but I was low-key terrified to talk to you. Here's why, here's why. I was really terrified to talk to you. Part of it was because I actually asked a lot of people about you uh, that first night. Uh-huh. Um, I was asking about two people, you and GT. Uh, uh-huh. Why are you here? What do you find in GT? And then what do you think of Chanel? A lot of people are just like, you know, I'm just inspired. But Alex, Alex said it. Alex, I know Alex is going to hear this. Alex was like, yeah, you know, the greatest. <laughs> so I was sitting here and it took me how long? Two weeks to reach out yeah. to you and just be like, I want you on my podcast. Because I was going through this thing of like, all right, one, I don't want to waste her time just you know and then and then hearing how you started your course so this whole time i'm thinking this how this how i know you're amazing so the whole time we're at this event and i'm just thinking she is killing the game little to realize you're here debating your existence about should i start my course right you're going through your own struggle
3: debating debating my existence completely
1: completely Mm
3: -hmm. completely
1: and i'm sitting here thinking to myself she's got this in the bag she's got this figured out like do you get what i'm saying it's it's crazy how once we hear where somebody was struggling yeah because i guarantee had i known and i'm not he can tell you i am not one person to be shy ever matter of mm-hmm. fact when i first meet somebody i'm gonna ask you like thirty thousand questions right. i'm gonna make you uncomfortable uh-huh. <laughs> but i got really <laughs> uncomfortable for the first time in a long time you know Uh Had I known you were going through that struggle, had I known you were debating those things, I think I would have been able to get there. And that's why I think, you know, this podcast is so important, plays such a vital role. Because now there's going to be somebody, a kid, a student professional, a parent, anybody that hears this, right? And they're able to be like, look, she is superwoman. The very first question was, who are you now? And your answer was bulletproof. People can see that. People Mm -hmm. can see after hearing the story, people can see, yeah, she is bulletproof. But she's bulletproof because, excuse my French, you went through a shit ton of things. <laughs>
3: that's right. You
1: you, no, right. you literally I, inchi- achieved the impossible, right? I,
3: absorbed, I feel like I absorbed a lot of bullets.
1: And now nothing can touch you. Yeah. Like, And this is why I'm saying, this is why I kept coming back to the drive was still there. The drive was still there. Because mm-hmm. where many would have given up, where many would have called it quits, you were just like, look... I gotta do this, and if I don't do this, nobody will for me, and two, this has been my dream since 15, like, I need to do this, and you, for better, you know, and we talked about it on that live video yesterday, where it's a two-part series, right, What challenge comes change, so, it's a two-part series, one, you mm-hmm. gotta speak it into existence, you mm-hmm. did it, you, you were like, I'm gonna go to PT school, I'm gonna become a PT, I mean, look at you today, Dr. Chanel, look at you today. <laughs>
3: and then part two
1: you have to put in the freaking work
3: you know what i'm glad that you said both of those things because that's how i feel about the course that i released a few weeks ago i sat on content for five months convincing myself that i didn't have what it took and i the minute i put it out into existence i stood up at ssbt i declared i declared myself i owned i took authority of what I feel I am an authority in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and And after I did that the whole everything changed my whole life has changed Hmm. I'm like living I'm living my dream life right now I'll be honest treating treating patients a few hours a day but mostly mentoring clinicians in the power of their story in order to develop relationships with their patients that they find truly fulfilling yeah um like I can't think of anything better, Hmm. but it all started with, like you said, putting it out there and then again, doing the damn work. It's been a lot of work.
1: It was a lot of work, Um, a lot of traveling, a lot of hours, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of struggle. Uh,
3: Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. You know, the thing I was taking for granted was the fact that there's content within my course, but... What What is invaluable is all of the stuff I went through
1: mm-hmm. in order to have the insight to mentor people the way right, that I do. Right. That was all very much earned. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Pff, hey. <laughs> I'm just... Didn't I tell you? I'm just sitting here and I'm just... <laughs> because
2: I'm, I'm usually the guy who walks in the room and, you know, from the minute I walk in, you know... I could sense bullshit, excuse my <laughs> friends, but like I'm just sitting here and I'm just so shocked and I'm just so impressed and amazed. Because even yesterday, I went through some things yesterday and it, it, I'm not, and Paul will tell you, no. I'm not a man who shows emotion no. or talk about my problems or even show any tears. He's but stunted. yesterday, I, I cried like a baby because I was, and in, in to be able to, I'm not saying I could relate. Exactly, but I feel the weight on your shoulder lifted because you had so much to prove and so much to do. And I mean, all I can say is you are truly amazing. You are the definition of a superwoman. And literally, literally that's all I can say. No,
1: let's not take up too much of your <laughs> yeah, time. I, uh, let's not take up too. You got you got you got things to you got things oh, to oh, conquer. Okay. Thank you so I, much. I,
3: I look forward to this. Thank I you
1: really so have. much for sharing this story with us. Like I. Again, I'm confident. There's just mm-hmm. there's gonna be people out here that, you're, literally, yeah. their lives will be changed. Like, <laughs> their lives yeah. will be changed just because they got this opportunity to hear. Right,
3: and That's... that makes all of it worth it. It hmm. really does for me. Yeah. Um, even even still today, there was another podcast that I did that was released a few days, about a week ago,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and the amount of the people who have been messaging me and just reaching out and. They, a lot of them are PT students. Right. Um, just saying how much it's helping them just get through the grind. Right. You know, I never realized during that entire period that one day it would be I would be looked to as like a role model. I would I never would have imagined that hmm. the thirteen dollar an hour pre PT reject a role model.
1: And the crazy part is so the crazy part is I almost feel like even though you didn't need to go through all that right nobody wants to experience that much struggle but guess what it was all necessary to create bulletproof Chanel it was all necessary had you skipped any part of that I could almost guess to say that you wouldn't be as invincible as you are today struggle is so important struggle is so important
2: it builds character (laughs) that's something growing up I've always heard your struggles your challenges builds character. character and someone who has no struggles yeah or has you know doesn't go through any challenges, they don't know what he means, and they don't know how uh lift the joy like yesterday, for example, real quick story, I was telling my coworker I got financially cleared for my classes in the fall, and he looks at me like so, but you know his dad's an engineer, his mom's a you know teacher, a doctor, right. and right. Then, so he's always had it, whereas I come from a lower class family or middle class family where I had to work for everything I had from the age of 12. Mhm. Right? And to hear you that So I had a lot on the line, a lot of people to prove wrong. Meanwhile, you have your whole, you know, group behind you rooting you on and you got to prove them right. Um yep. and when you tell them you I got financially cleared, it's like, "Okay, so what? I've been financially cleared since April." And you're like, right. "Well, I just pay, you know, blah 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 <laughs> exactly. amount out of pocket on my own." And you're just like, you know, so Exactly. Your challenges, it changes mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And it makes really, you bulletproof.
1: Literally, New challenges.
2: New t shirts. Challenges make you bulletproof. Boom. Holy All they right.
3: do. You know, that's the thing I will add. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that my now husband, I don't think that he could have or he was meant to fall in love with someone other than who I am. Mm. And he's always done a really beautiful job of just appreciating what I've been through and not worrying about it, not internalizing it, not being upset that he's my third husband, you know, Mm -hmm. like I attracted the man I was meant to attract because of what I went through, Yeah, you know, and that's a really powerful thing because I think people assume that when their life isn't flawless and things haven't went perfectly that they're going to attract the wrong people. But Mm -hmm. I would, I would argue that that's what, you know, being audacious and Mm -hmm. being, being that person um, it sets you on the path to meet the people you're supposed to meet. Hmm. You know, it really does.
1: <sighs> man. I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I'm just odd. That's exactly how I felt I'm the just first odd. time. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, wow. <laughs> that's the word. I'm still that's trying to, the word. I'm wow. still
2: trying to find words and I'm just sitting here like, you know, just air you and know, sounds.
3: I like and that is so flattering and i like i appreciate it so much and i think that i would add that i truly believe that every person in this world has a story like that Mm -hmm. they just haven't found the 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 golden gems about it but everyone goes through things that really change them i think people just deprecate them a lot Mm -hmm. of the (laughs)
1: times i think everyone
3: has a very significant story
1: Everybody does. So, mm-hmm. last things like ah, you know, it's not—is it even worth asking those <laughs> end of the interview questions? No, I'm not even going to do that. Listen, let me just say this: plug yourself. Where can people find you other than just Googling you?
3: Oh, okay. Um, so I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's forward slash Chanel DPT C H A N E L L E DPT, um, and then I'm also on Instagram at the dot Embody Boss
1: Boom.
0: Thank you for listening to the Way podcast. I am so excited that you got a chance to gain some new insight, get some new wisdom, be able to just participate in today's conversation as we dug into our topic today. Don't forget to share this out with your friends and with your family and anybody that might need it. Don't forget to go into the app store and leave us a review, a good rating so that this can be able to be shared out with more people. Thank you so much for being such a valued listener and we'll see you on the next episode. Have an amazing day.